0: Welcome to Staying Connected, a podcast about UK-German friendship, past, present and future. My name is Julia Gross. I'm the Deputy Head of Mission at the German Embassy in London. Welcome to this month's episode of our podcast. This time, we're looking at the connection between the UK and Germany from a military perspective. Our two guests are both military historians with an in-depth knowledge of British-German relations. Our first guest, Dr. Peter Johnston, is the curator of Foes to Friends, the fascinating exhibition at the National Army Museum. Your exhibition looks at how, after the Second World War, the British forces and the Germans changed from being foes to being friends. Our second guest is Professor Matthias Strohn, a German military historian. He teaches at the University of Buckingham and at the Center for Historical Analysis and Conflict Research. He has also taught at the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst. Peter, Matthias, both of you have a deep understanding of British-German history and military cooperation. We would like to hear from you what recent milestones have there been in British-German military cooperation and where will it go next? And one more thing before we get going. We always ask our guests if they could have one wish granted with regard to the relationship between the UK and Germany. What would it be?
1: Well, thanks very much. It's absolutely wonderful to have an opportunity to, to talk to, to to you all today and, and obviously talk to you, Matthias, as well. Uh, a fantastic way for us to, to, to explore the ways in which we are still uh, connected. Obviously, the, the museum's exhibition, Photo Friend, talks about the British Army being in Germany since 1945 and still talks about the British Army being there today uh, from 2019 onwards. I mean, there's a lot of mar- really important milestones uh, within that. But I think, you know, when, when, when we look back, it's, it's really difficult, really, when, when to, to look beyond 1945. And, you know, the army first really getting into Germany, fighting its way into Germany. And then the end of the Second World War, Stund uh, Null, and everything that comes next there. And for, for, for the British Army, obviously, what, you, what, what was, it was presented with was a, a nation it had defeated, but then a nation it was committed to rebuilding, uh, both to guarantee its own, its own peace and security, but then also increasingly to, uh, as a, to, to rebuild as an ally in the new ideological... Uh, campaign and war that was taking place—the Cold War, the deepening Cold War with the Soviet Union—and you know, when we talk about this photo friend, I think that really encapsulates it. And what's significant for me, actually, as well, Matthias—I uh, don't know if you if you realise this—but even the title of the exhibition, "Photo Friend," that was actually a, a quote from, a directly from a, a Bundeswehr officer who had worked exclusively uh, and quite heavily with the British Army throughout his career too. So that actually ends really nicely, and I think really points to uh, how deep these these connections are because. When we look at the history of the british army it's 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 you know people expect stories of occupation uh people associate the british army with the british empire but germany was never like that
2: well hi peter very good to to hear you um i think you're absolutely right it's 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 a fascinating story isn't it um uh the uh, the photo friend and the the changes in the development well actually you might perhaps even say that but put on my historian's hat now for a moment that we went from friend to foe to friend didn't we because historically speaking britain and, and germany always used to have very good relations not only in the in the realm of the military i never uh, failed to point out of course that it was the prussians who won the battle of waterloo um which always gets a few uh raised eyebrows i have to say but, uh, yeah. but were, yeah.
1: yeah if it wasn't if it wasn't the prussians it was probably the uh, the king's german legion in la Le hay and in the center of the line as well
2: absolutely exactly yeah that uh, there are so many different examples as well. Some of the uh, the most iconic um, episodes of British military history, um, I don't know, the uh, defense of Gibraltar in the 18th century, where the vast majority of troops were German. So you have this very, very close link. And you can probably say, and I think we know this as military historians, that the the period of the world wars was the the big exception to the rule, you might say. And then, as Peter, as you've already said, then we go back to this, this idea of the friends. And it's an absolutely fascinating development. And of course, there's one as you've also shown in your exhibition, is one uh, that, uh, well, is still lasting. And uh, it lasted for quite a while, is not it? Because, as you say, from 1945, that's a very, very long period indeed. And uh, and yes, as you show in the exhibition, uh, we are now firmly back in the friend camp, I would
1: say. What's also remarkable is when you think about even those units who were occupying Germany after 1945 up until 1955, is, is how much German iconography there is. In even, you know, the, the, white ba- the, the White Horse of Hanover is in several units' cat badge. For example, and that's what they carry, and that and that's that's the link to it. That they, they carry battle honours to places where they were now occupied. You know, and Minden being the most one of the most significant ones, and Minden of course remaining really important today because it's where there's a, a joint amphibious unit working M3 rigs as a sign of sort of future cooperation between the the, the contemporary and modern British Army and the and the Bundeswehr too. So there are all these really deep connections here that I think that really sort of. Helped play into this quite unique aspect of of the British Army's history. You know, there wasn't the British Army never had a, 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 an occupation or a deployment like they had in Germany. It was it was remarkable for for so many reasons, and I think the way in which they were increasingly integrated into the local community was really significant as well. You know, yes, they lived behind the wire, they had their camps, but increasingly as the years go on, and increasingly as there was greater partnership between the Britain and, and, and West Germany, as was. You, you saw a c- closer cultural integration, you know, more, far more regular sporting competitions between the two, you know, the, 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 the British introduced sports and they gleefully took on the opportunity to learn to ski and move everybody south into the mountains for, for exercise Snow Queen every year, you know, where basically the it seemed like the British Army of the Rhine would essentially take over some of the mountains and risk life and limb of might the themselves, but anybody else who was on the piece at the same time. And, you know, the the way in which the, the, the British and the Germans lived alongside each other and became neighbours and friends is is really quite remarkable. And I just don't think when we look at the, the wider history of the British Army and the wider overseas deployment the British Army's has taken, I don't think there's anything like it, actually. No,
2: I think you're absolutely right. And it's... As you've already said, it's, it's really fascinating, isn't it, when you, you can first look at the, um, the official cooperation and the, uh, the links between Germany, whether it's political or um, uh, institutional. But of course, where it really comes to life is when you go down to the personal level. And i think that's absolutely right and when, when i was growing up in germany well i grew up in munster which uh, was in the well let's call it the british zone of occupation and um, we had a very large british garrison there and I uh, nice to remember well first of all of course looking at the brits and everyone was always very very confused because uh, they would always walk around in shorts and t-shirts even in the winter so, yeah they are british that's very very true so that was always the first thing where you could spot them but um it was really interesting to see how then as you've already said how these relationship uh, relationships um developed so in my personal experience to begin with perhaps even not so much but uh, i remember when i was growing up and getting a bit older and i've got an older brother and he had a number of friends um, who were working in or serving in the british army in munster and i found always quite interesting then go to the barracks have a look around and, and just experience as you said this this slightly different life I'm also getting to see some of the rituals, whether it's a rugby match or whatever, which, of course, in those days in Germany was practically unknown unless you grew up in the British zone and, and all sorts of other other things as well. And it was really these these personal links that brought the whole thing really to life, I would say, whereas I have now having worked for the British Army now for. 15 years or so. I have met so many of the, in particular, the the non-commissioned officers and the warrant officers, who've actually tried to serve their entire careers in Germany. And I always was very, very amazed when I was still teaching at at Santas to meet some of these people who walk up to you uh, and start talking to you in fluent German. Because they mentioned that, well, they found their wives over there, they lived in Germany for 20 years or whatever it might be. Uh, Perhaps the most... interesting or funny event or happened only a few weeks ago. So I went to Sandhurst and started talking to someone. It turned out one of the musicians and and he said, so where are you from? And I said, well, from Munster. Oh, Munster, brilliant. And he took out his phone and showed me a picture of his office. And he said, well, I served in Munster for about 10 years or so and still in his office today. He's got the football scarf of uh, preuss munster which is not the most successful football team in germany but he says he's always had that in his office so it's these personal links that really bring it to life i find
1: yeah absolutely and you know the, those personal links came about through through all manner of things you know from a purely from a functional level you know it, um the the the, the british I mean, british people as a, as, a, as a rule have never been that great at learning other languages uh we're blessed by the fact that other people speak english and so it makes it very easy for us and it makes us very lazy but you know, from a from a practical level, it was actually quite useful for for British soldiers to be able to learn to speak German, and you know, a lot of them could could offer the classic you know, "Kann ich uh, meine Panzer in deine Schule Um, You know, you know, just sort of you know, a knock on the door in the night and this sort of thing. But that came from a really sort of you know, functional level because unlike pretty much anywhere else, really, the the British Army in Germany were training to essentially fight on the ground they were expecting to fight the actual war on. You know, this was not a simulated environment. And then exactly as you say, there was the social level, the, the, the guys being downtown, um, invariably, uh, you know, uh, talking to the Frau lines. and, you know, how, how, is, it, how is it best to be talked to the line when it's to speak in their own language uh, and, and, and speak to them in that regard as well. And, you know, it, it, this was a really important way in which how a lot of soldiers learned. And the training facilities that the British had there uh, were unparalleled. You know, there are just things they cannot do. Uh, in 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 the UK, they can do in Germany, which is why they've retained the amphibious river crossing capability in in Minden because it, it just can't be done here. Uh, and similarly, why there's still 185 uh, soldiers based in 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 in, Senelaga, uh, in the in the training area there to to maintain that training access too. And I think you know all of those personal levels and personal stories were were so important for us when we were building this exhibition. You know, we, I wanted this exhibition to to, to reflect that lived experience. I was lucky enough, I met someone who'd, uh, who'd arrived in Germany in 1945. He was 17. He'd lied about his age to, to join the army. He was 17. He arrived in Germany in 1945 in May, just as the war ended. And apart from five years that he spent either in Hong Kong or Windsor, he spent the rest of his life in Germany. And he married a German. Uh, and he passed away in 2019. Um, and he just became a fixture of life there. Um, And and, and I think, again, you know, with what I was saying earlier, that's what this was. This this was this unique place where the British would build their own lives outside of the army, and where many of them wanted to stay and live. And there remains a thriving expat community um, in, in, in Germany now. I was lucky enough to talk to many of them. I
2: particularly enjoyed the bit when you were talking about the uh, the training and the exercises and preparing for war because that brings back memories, personal memories. And I was always grateful to the British Army because when they were running their big annual autumn exercises, they would take over the train station I had to go to in order to go to school. And sometimes, depending on whatever they were doing, you couldn't actually get onto the platform. So unfortunately, I had to go back home. So I had to ring the school and say, sorry, can't come to school today because the Brits have taken over again. And everyone understood. That was perfectly okay. So these were the days of the Cold War, of course, well, all very, very different. Um, and yes, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Of course, as, when we look at the, uh, the wider picture again, of course, and you've already mentioned a few things here, um, despite the fact that the British Army has now largely withdrawn from, from Germany, of course, there are still uh, there are still links between these two countries, and you've already mentioned a few things. Um, when you look at some of these milestones, so you can look at the strategic vision statement that the German Bundeswehr and the, and, and the British signed, which really is trying to to cement, you might say, this um, this cooperation between the two nations. This now, of course more at the, perhaps you might say, the strategic level. But of course, you need to have these milestones you had. You need to have these things in place so that you can then from there uh, increase the cooperation at the uh, the lower levels. And you've already mentioned the number of tanks. You already mentioned that Germany is still a deployment base for the British army. I remember when uh, the British were leaving, um, there was this big discussion in most German places. So why are they not staying? Uh, Are they leaving anything behind? And even when it was just announced that uh, bits and bobs would stay, uh, not a lot of troops, but um, some of the the training areas would still be available to the British. There was a bit of a sigh of relief in many areas um, because they didn't really want these, these connections to be cut. So um, I think that's, that's again, it's, it's just
1: a very strong indicator of the, uh, of the very strong relationship between the two countries. Absolutely. And, you know, what, what's also been really great about this whole thing is that um, we've gotten very used to uh, particularly in the last few years here in the UK, about, you know, Brexit rhetoric and Brexit essentially dominating everything. And what's been really great about this exhibition is we've been able to say, well, actually, you know, this this sits completely beside that, outside of that, and you know, Brexit is not a milestone, not a negative milestone in this at all, and actually, this cooperation will continue. Um, and obviously, you know, there's the from the you know the high levels, um, but also there's a day, there's the daily existence of it as well. You know, the the, the Allied Rapid Reaction Corps that for so long was in and until it moves to just outside Gloucester. You know, that is multinational essentially by design, uh, and the you know the Anglo-German functional connection within that is really strong and that is a legacy of having been based in Germany and so I think it's really important uh, and it has enormous value benefit to the army that that continues today when I sort of reflect on, on some of the things that almost that I'm sort of a bit disappointed about you know I, I think you know I, personally as it from a historical perspective you know from a, from a critical view being based in, in Germany made the army better uh, it made the British army better you, you can see that when the army did deploy into Oper- operation granby you know the first gulf war a quarter of the british army in germany deploys on there um but that campaign really validated all the british doctrine and tactics they developed to fight the russians and the way they were able to do that was because they perfected that in germany absolutely true well, you, you've
2: talked quite a bit already about the uh the cultural links and all that and, and of course you've already mentioned the evil b word uh, so let's not talk an awful lot about brexit um but i think it, it's it is perhaps important to, to remember that particularly from what. Uh, at least from the German point of view, um, I see there's still wide, widespread disbelief in Germany about what actually happened uh, in, in Britain. And I don't think Germans really understand the whole thing um, and why Britain decides to go this way. But I think one reason, of course, why we have these uh, or had the decision in Britain and this, this German disbelief is, of course, to degree also linked again to history. And of course, again, we could talk about this forever as two historians. Um, and also to this, this whole question of remembrance, the wars, and what happened after the war. And of course, well, here we have some rather, well, drastic differences, you might say. Because when you look at the the, the German case, it's all about the Second World War. And of course, that means it's not about the military achievements that you could perhaps celebrate in the in the, in the English case. But it's very much about, of course, the atrocities of the Third Reich, the shore and all, all these things. And that has really, really... Um, formed German opinion in many, many ways. So first of all, how can you remember these things? Are you allowed to remember these things? Do you, can can you talk about German casualties in the war? Yes or no? Um, and also, of course, the belief uh, the belief in the European Union. So this, of course, is something that, that never really got into the DNA of the British, that you need to have something like European Union or whatever um, organization you have in order to prevent something like this from happening again. And it's really interesting when you look at uh, some of the the international uh, remembrance uh, events, for example, the Battle of Normandy, how the Germans first didn't want to participate. And there are these these reports uh, from, from, from Helmut Kohl when he was chancellor. And he said something along the lines of, well, there's nothing for a German chancellor uh, in Normandy when uh, the allies commemorate the victory in, of a battle in which 10,000 of Germans died. And of course, this is now completely changed, isn't it? So again, perhaps you might say well, from this photo this friend idea so that now, German Chancellor's are very happy to go to to Normandy and other places and to remember, perhaps even celebrate if they want to do that, uh, the the liberation of of Germany from Nazism. So again, you've got an interesting twist here in this whole idea of remembrance. And when you look at, generally speaking, the the history and the remembrance of military achievements to stay within this field, again, you have a very unbroken tradition in, in Britain, whereas, of course, in Germany, it's so fundamentally broken. That uh, you can't really do this. So everything you do always, of course, comes back to the dark twelve years of the Nazi period that overshadow everything else in, in German history.
1: The different practices of remembrance are, are certainly there, um, and I think that when we when we reflect on this, you know, it's actually you know just as remembrance as, as you were saying is dominated by a particular period in, in, in Germany. I think in you know even in the, in, in the UK here, when, when we think about remembrance as sort of a, as a popular act, it's very difficult to look beyond the first and second world wars. And it's very difficult to look beyond those who, 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 who fell in that. We, we don't tend to remember those who survived and came home. We don't tend to remember the, the, the veterans. We're used to veterans' parades and this sort of thing. Again, something very different from what took place in Germany. Um, but you know, when you begin to sort of you know, delve deeper and understand that, you can see that there is a, there is a shift in this. You know, I, I was lucky to go to the, the 75th anniversary of uh, the Normandy Landers in Portsmouth in 2019, and, and, and Chancellor Merkel was there. And um, uh, was invited, and that was a really important. That's you know, it, it was people were very conscious that this was a very important step and very much part of this period. Um, but you know, when you think about the the, the monuments and the memorials uh, in Germany versus the UK, you know, it, in Germany they have a very different focus. But actually, I think what's remarkable from a historical perspective is seeing how Germany has confronted that past. And actually, I, I think it's it's quite remarkable that, that, that so many memorials have been built to crimes and atrocities to make people remember them rather than to glorious events that are otherwise the reason for building these memorials. And, and that, I think, is is, 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 is extremely interesting. Um, and you know, it, I think the way that that was done both in West Germany but then also after the you know, reunification and, and dealing with, with the, you know, the, the latter period of, of totalitarian rule as well, all, all of that, I think, definitely has, has factored into. So I think there are real lessons that Britain can take from how Germany remembers and how it confronts this past and how it uses that past to, to shape its future and its identity as well. Absolutely right.
2: And when, when you bring it down one level, I think it's really interesting. So you look at Angela Merkel, you look at the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings and what have you, and perhaps the, uh, the most striking or the, uh, the, the starkest reminder to myself about reconciliation is always when I go on, on a staff ride with the British Army, because it normally ends on a, on a cemetery and you have a service and then you lay the wreath. And I remember going to, well, quite a few of them by now, at nearly every single time, even without me asking, the British army organisers come up to me and say, well, would you like to lay down a wreath for the Germans? And would you like to say a few words? Would you like to play your last post? Ich hab and the first time they asked me that, I was basically gobsmacked. I didn't expect that at all. Um, but that happened. So we had a number of these um, very moving events uh, for example, in Lannemark, the German uh, cemetery of the First World War, and you have representatives there from the British division and one or two Germans, and uh, and they insist that I walk forward, lay on a wreath, and that they play the German version of The Last Post. So, absolutely moving. So, this perhaps really encapsulates this, this idea of the, the slogan of the, the German War Graves Commission equivalent, Volksbund, uh, which basically means uh, reconciliation over the graves. And that's absolutely, that's absolutely there, and I think it's really important that it's done, and that works really, really well.
1: Exactly, as you say, you know, the, the big political gestures can, can be really powerful, and they can be the ones who reported, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, uh, the kneeling in Warsaw, um, holding hands of the done, the, these sorts of things. You know, it's not obviously just, just between the British and the Germans. Um, but then if you look at something like the functional level, you know, you and I were both on the the, the, the British Army staff ride of, of, of 2018, and, 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 you know, that was multinational... By by its very design, and it brought everyone together, and we talked about that, and it was very much factored into it. And actually, I think the the legacy of the British being in in in, in Germany, but also being in NATO alongside the West Germans, and then now the the, the Bundeswehr, ha, has really driven that uh, and really pushed that forward. And actually, probably more so than wider British society, I would say, um, where there's there's still a bit of a a bit of a disconnect. Um, and and so I think that actually, if you want to look at, um, you know. Value and the the value of reconciliation and the functional use it can bring. You do have to look at organisations like the the way that the militaries cooperate uh, at this at this point because they are key allies um, and they deploy and and you know and that's happening now. It's happened you know decades ago. You know um, in Kosovo. You know these places as well where you know there's actual active training going on, deployment, serving alongside. All of these things are very much part and parcel of of, of the British Army's day to day life. Um, and and I think that that's really key to remember. Um, as we as we talk about remembrance, uh, I think it's really key that you know the past doesn't always have to define us, and we can still you know shape our own future too.
2: So I think there's an awful lot we could still discuss. As said earlier, we could talk about for hours now and hours and hours. And hours. But I think one question that's also really interesting is uh, perhaps from a personal point of view so what what do you think what do you wish for the future relationship between britain and germany what do you think could make
1: it even stronger even better what are your thoughts these sort of come kind of multiple levels i mean from a personal level i mean i love going to germany um i absolutely loved being able to visit different parts of germany as part of my research for, for, for my book and for this exhibition you know necessary not the, the the more key tourist spots. I mean, I've always been fascinated by Berlin, but just moving outside of of Germany, just from, you know, in Niedersachsen, in North Rhine-Westphalia, you know, these these parts of Germany too, um, and and I loved it, and I, I've absolutely fallen in love with the with with with, with the people, the landscape, and and, and the culture. You know, um, I think from one of my big regrets for the army League in Germany is that I won't get to continue to go and visit them in Germany, and spend time with them in Germany, in, in these wonderful historic buildings. Um, you know, I think of something like Allenbrook Barracks. Or what was, was Arnhembrück Barracks in Paderborn, you know, these um, Wilhelmian, um, beautifully great you know, listed buildings that are just absolutely fantastic um, uh, and, and being part of that as well. But I think culturally as well, I, I think, you know, if, if Germany and, and, and Britain have always, bar a, a couple of instances that we've talked about, have, have nearly always stood together. And Britain's actually always been pretty successful when it's stood with Germany. Um, and worked with with Germans and other allies too, and 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 I would I would hope that would continue. Um, you know, the physical distance between us, as if we've seen anything in the last year, is the physical distance can easily be, be negated by something as simple as a Zoom call. So it, it really makes no, no difference to maintain that. So I hope that, that continues. But also I think I think culturally we can continue to, to to learn and shape from each other too. I think you know I've talked a little bit about how Germany has confronted um, the difficult and challenged elements of its past. And I do think there are real, valid lessons um, and, and, and good practice within that that the, the, the British can learn. We are in, in Britain here. We are continuing to have a have a, a very heavily polarised debate around the legacy of empire, for example. Where actually, you know, these these are things that divide people, um, and it, it, what it needs is a is a wider explanation, um, uh, nuance, um, uh, and greater discourse around it that we can that people can engage with. And actually, I think that if you look at what Germany's achieved, that they, they have done that uh, it, to 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 a great extent, and I think we could learn some really important lessons about that to to prevent that debate tearing us apart and causing more problems um, uh, in, a, in, a, in, in our own society and helping us build back better from the other challenges that we face too.
2: I sometimes think that a little bit of British pragmatism uh, would not be a bad thing for the Germans. Um, at the same time, I also think that a little bit of more structured thinking for the Brits would not be a bad thing. So pre- perhaps a halfway house between the two different approaches would be the absolute perfect solution. Whether it's achievable uh, culturally or not, I'm not quite sure what do i think uh, we should do or what do i wish for the future well perhaps a very pragmatic approach what i would really like to see in britain and i'm talking about britain in particular is increased language training because i really do think that languages open the doors to different countries to different cultures of course you said earlier you're absolutely right you go to germany and people start speaking to you in english whether it's good or not but you get by But if you really want to understand the country, the culture and all these things and the history, you need to be able to speak the language. So I would like to see that even more in Germany, where I think the whole language uh, training or language education is more advanced than than, uh, in the UK. And I think that's really something that will be quite good in the UK. And when you look at the the latest figures in the UK, they're quite frightening. The drop in numbers of people learning foreign language on the whole, and particularly German and also French, of course. Um, I also hope looking forward when you I don't want to use the evil b word again but when you look at the current situation generally speaking i hope that's everything that we have just talked about so these cultural exchanges that they don't break off so i remember when i was at oxford I, I could have gone through oxford um without speaking a single word of english because there were german students everywhere you had german lecturers you had german professors i'm slightly worried that this might change now um and i hope it will not happen and i hope that we will find a way to keep these cultural ties very much alive And that, of course, applies to the example I've just given to universities, but also perhaps to come back to our main theme, to to the military as well. And we've already touched on an awful lot of, um, um, of different initiatives and ideas. And I really hope that both the German Army or the German military and the British Armed Forces continue... the the good work they've done, and also to intensify it. And and even again at the the lower level, union formation levels, I have seen this over the last few years. So perhaps it's it's quite interesting to see that with the British Army gone, there seems to be much more of a a conscious decision to keep these links alive, which is probably a normal thing. Um, But this is very good. And I would very much hope to see this continue and to foster and to grow.
0: Peter, Matthias, thank you very much for being with us today. It was a most enjoyable discussion. Thank you.